in our Advent series, and this is week three, the third candle is lit. Who remembers what week one was? Hope, yeah. Second week? This week, does anyone know what it is this week? Joy. We're on joy this week. And um, I've really enjoyed um, putting together this Advent series and this whole idea of this invitation to encounter the Holy Spirit in this Christmas season. Um, to look up and to look around us and see where he is already at work. Because the one thing that is true and sure is whether we're aware of it or not, the Holy Spirit is at work all around us every day and every moment. Um, we don't see things change in our lives, not because God is not at work, because he is at work all the time. So we just have to sometimes look up and see and recognize where he is. And one of the most exciting things for me is that I love being in the everyday, ordinary circumstances of life and situations of life. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just becomes so evident. Anyone else enjoy that? You know, it could be a moment where you're maybe having a conversation one-to-one with someone and all of a sudden, it's like the atmosphere shifts and changes and you're just so aware. It's like, it's like literally like the Holy Spirit has come and pulled up a chair beside you and he's joined the conversation. Or maybe you're in a situation with someone and they're facing a difficulty or you're facing a difficulty yourself and you just stop and you settle yourself for a moment and you invite God to come into that situation and all of a sudden, your perspective changes. You maybe get a solution to the problem that you've been sitting looking at and haven't been able to to solve. And the Holy Spirit just breaks in with his presence in that moment. So before I jump in this morning, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come again. Just right from the off. He is always welcome here. He is our friend. We love him and he's always welcome. But sometimes I think it's just good to focus in and just invite him again to come. So why don't we do that? Come Holy Spirit. Increase your presence with us. Help us to look up. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to us, not just this morning, but in this Christmas season. Amen. As you read through the Old Testament, joy is mentioned quite a bit. Um, And there's a bit of a theme going on. Um, I've been enjoying this series because what I love to do is look and see the references in the Bible for the different themes and then sort of see, is there a pattern there? What is God really saying Saying as you look at those things? And I was quite surprised when I, when I saw this this week that, that actually every time, almost every time in the Old Testament in particular where joy is mentioned, there's feasting and celebration. I don't know about you, but I'm all on for feasting and celebration. Maybe not all the time, but it's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. First Chronicles 29:22 says this. They ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. Hallelujah. Great. And um, if you turn to the story of Nehemiah, if you want to just turn to there, actually, because I'm going to read a bigger passage from that. Nehemiah 8, um, verse 9, if you want to just turn to there now. And in the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah has returned to Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a wee sort of synopsis of the story. Nehemiah has returned to Jerusalem from exile to oversee the rebuilding of the city walls. The walls are rebuilt and the people have returned from exile. And this is the official opening, if you like, in these verses that I'm about to read. Ezra the priest, he has stood up in front of all the people who are gathered there and he begins to read from the law. Now it's been 70 years from they were captured from Jerusalem, kidnapped and taken as slaves to Babylon. 
Almost three generations have passed since they stood in this city and heard the precious law, the precious word of God read out to them by a priest. And when you think of that, 70 years, there's probably only a very small number of them that would have a living memory of the last time they were able to do that within the city walls of Jerusalem. And they are overcome with emotion and they begin to weep. And it says this in verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, how many of you have something in your home, a wee plaque, fridge magnet, mug, maybe even a t-shirt, I'll get to that in a moment, that may have this voice on it, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hands up. Come on. There's bound to be somebody. No? Nobody's admitting it. John, thank you. Well, I used to have all those things with it on it. It was one of my favorite verses, the joy of the Lord is your strength. But if we don't read the rest of it, we kind of lose the context of what it's actually saying. In fact, I think I did have one of the lovely trendy t-shirts. I think I've shared with you before about my lovely Bible verse t-shirts that I used to wear when Jason first met me. I'm not quite sure how I ever attracted this handsome man. But certainly wasn't my Bible t-shirts, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, and actually, or I think it definitely had that on a t-shirt. And also the other one, he makes all things beautiful in its time. Another favorite of young woman in the 90s. Oh, how we love to misquote scripture back then. Maybe nothing has changed. Maybe we still do now. Anyway, I digress. So the people, they are weeping and emotional. And Nehemiah and Ezra say, hold on a minute. This is not a time for mourning. This is a time for feasting and celebration. A time to be full of joy at the faithfulness of our God who has not left us and has brought us into freedom once again. This is not a time for mourning. This is not a time for weeping. This is a time of great feasting and celebration. And yet as we think about their story and we think about where they've come from, you could easily think that it was a time for mourning, couldn't you? But it was a time to look forward. Ezra and Nehemiah are saying it's a time to look forward with joy. And as we do, as we look forward, we will be filled with the strength of God for the days ahead. Some of you are in a time of weeping and mourning. And what I sense is the Lord is saying it's also a time to feast and celebrate the faithfulness of God in your life who has brought you into freedom. It feels completely counterintuitive, just like it did for these guys in Jerusalem. I'm sure as they stood there listening to the law, listening to the scriptures, they were remembering their loved ones who had not made it out of Babylon for this moment. Grandparents, parents, siblings, spouses, children, friends. I'm sure that's why they cried. They mourned the losses that they had experienced over 70 years in a foreign land. The loss of homes, houses, jobs, and their own way of life. The loss of their very freedom. And now they're home. And they're hearing the familiar words of scripture, but this time it's in their own city, back home. And sometimes it's not until we come home that we realize just how broken and weary our hearts are. 
That's been my experience. Sometimes it's not until we're back home again in our safe place, in our familiar place, in our place of comfort, that we suddenly are aware of just how broken and weary our hearts are. And it's our desire for this house, for Vineyard Church in Gannon, that this would be a home for your soul. And then a common home that you would find a healing place to weep, but also a place where you'd be freed by the Holy Spirit and it would be a real place of feasting and celebration together. A home where your mourning turns to joy, which becomes the strength that you need. So your mourning is transformed into joy and that becomes the strength that you need for the days ahead. The days that as you continue to rebuild your life, as you continue to move on from the circumstances you find yourself in. The, fact that, <clears throat> sorry, the practices of feasting and celebration fit really well into Advent, don't they? Many of us over the next two weeks will be gathering with friends and families to feast and celebrate. In fact, sometimes, I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes I get to Christmas Eve and I have feasted and celebrated so much that the thought of the Christmas dinner is a bit much. We kind of know how to do feasting and celebration pretty well, most of us. But, But not for all of you this year. As you approach this part of Advent season, for some of you, you might be facing the worst Christmas that you've experienced for years with fear more than with feasting and celebration. Many people will face Christmas alone. And that's one of the things about Outward Focus Christmas is that these hampers are not just food for someone to put in their cupboard but they are an active, physical, tangible symbol that they are not alone and that they're not forgotten at Christmas time. And year after year, we hear stories of people coming back to us. And it's often, it's the lonely people who contact us and say, thank you. It's those who would otherwise be on their own and feel completely forgotten, completely left behind by the rest of the world going on, celebrating and feasting. They're the ones that pick up the phone or they're the ones that send the card and say, thank you. It means so much to be remembered at Christmas. Many people face Christmas alone. And sometimes the thought of celebration is just too painful to to contemplate. But you are not alone. And I was encouraged as I read my favorite go-to book of the Bible. When I'm feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and sad, where do you think I go? Psalms, not Job. That would just make me worse. But Psalms, I go to the Psalms because one of the things I love about the Psalms is I love David's complete and utter honesty. Not just David, he's not the only author of the Psalms. But the other other authors of the Psalms, I love the complete and utter honesty. And sometimes in the same Psalm, you will have deep despair and high joy all in the one time, all in the the one verse, all in the one caption of Psalms where you have these moments of, Hi, ecstasy and praise and worship and everything's wonderful. And the next moment is like, oh, I'm in despair. My God, where are you? You've forsaken me. But it's possible, and you know this in your own life, it's possible to cry with laughter and laugh as you cry. Sometimes the two emotions are way more closely linked than we imagine. Psalm 4-7 says this, Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. So this is a family, right? So I want you to pause for a moment with me. This is a family where we long 
that people can come for all of you, that this is a place and a space, not just this physical building, but Vineyard Church in Gannon as a family, where you can come, worse foot forward, where you don't have to put on a mask, where you get to come as you are and be loved as you are in the circumstances and in whatever state you're in. But this is also a family where we long that no one stands alone. We don't want anyone to stand on their own. So here's what I want us to do this Christmas. This is part of what I want us to do. If you know of someone who may be planning to be on their own this Christmas, would you set another place at your table for them? Would you invite them into your home, into your family? They, would you bring them in? They can be someone who's part of your, your wider family circle. It just doesn't have to be someone that's in this room. It could be someone that's in your wider circle. It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody you work with. It could be a friend. It could be a friend of a friend. It could be somebody you barely know. But if you know of someone this, this Christmas time who's going to be on their own or a family that is struggling and finding it difficult and going to be on their own, why don't you open your, your home and invite them in this Christmas? We have caused havoc for the grandparents over the years, haven't we? The grandparents are really lovely in the Scott family, <clears throat> but they really like their normal wee routine. You know, you get to a certain age, and you like to know who's going to be there, and you like to know who they are and everything else. But we have caused a wee bit of havoc some Christmases when we have opened up our home and we've invited other people to come and join with us for Christmas time. And here's the wonderful thing. Even though I'm nervous about what the grandparents are going to think and how they're going to feel and are they going to be all right and is it going to be awkward, it has always, without doubt, been wonderful. And at the end of it, they've always turned around to me and said, I'm so glad you did that. That was such a good thing to do. Because there's something about expanding our hearts. There's something about this gospel story, this story of Jesus breaking into the very, the very inside of our hearts and our lives that causes us to give away what he has given us and to invite other people into his story. So here's what I want you to do. If you are contemplating a lonely Christmas this year, and that you haven't got an invite yet to join in with someone else, then I want you to come and speak to me after. And if you are someone that's sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, I could make room at my table for some more people, will you come and speak to me as well? And I'm going to do a bit of matchmaking. Because I don't want anyone in this family, in this house, to be alone at Christmas. Sound like a good idea? Great. <clears throat> In week one, we talked about hope. And we heard about Simeon, the elderly man. He was an elderly man who was clinging to the promise that he would one day see the Messiah before he died. Mary and Joseph, do you remember the story? For those of you who were here, Mary and Joseph come into a very crowded, uh, busy temple that would have been chaotic. And yet Simeon recognized Jesus by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's read together another moment of Jesus' identification via the presence of the Holy Spirit. Luke 1. Let's keep our Advent series uh, legal by having a, a wee reading from the Christmas story. Luke 1, 39 to 45. Are we there? Yeah. At that time, <clears throat> Mary got ready and hurried, hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt, leaped, leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Even as a baby, yet not born, yet not fully developed, because it says that Mary stayed for another three months with Elizabeth before she returned home. So we're not exactly sure which stage of the pregnancy it was at, but it was probably at least at the very latest midterm of pregnancy. We find that Mary comes into the home of, of her cousin and the Holy she is Jesus is already as a not fully developed baby, is full of the Holy Spirit. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And yet that shouldn't surprise us because as we read on in the accounts of Jesus' birth and around, around that time, we find out that actually it was the Holy Spirit that made Mary pregnant. And that tilts her head, doesn't it? So here we have two cousins meet up, both pregnant. And before Mary even gets to tell Elizabeth and gets caught up in all the amazing baby news and everything else before she even gets to tell her all that's been happening. This is the day before, um, there was no WhatsApp in those days. So literally when Mary would have arrived, we can assume that when Mary arrived to Elizabeth's home that she would have been arriving to tell her the news. She wouldn't have known before it. But at that moment, the presence of God is recognized by baby John, unborn, in his mum's womb, and he recognizes, this prophet, not yet born, recognizes the presence of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is then filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy. The presence of God very often through the Holy Spirit is marked with joy. Time and time we see this. We hear of times when the Holy Spirit breaks out and then there's joy. We find that there's joy in his presence. That there is joy um, that comes whenever we worship. There is joy that comes whenever the presence of God is poured out. Acts 13.52 says this, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1.5-6 says this, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Paul talks often about new believers being his joy, even in the midst of personal persecution and hardship. Um, I don't know if you know about Paul's life, but a lot of times Paul was imprisoned he was beaten up. He was falsely accused. He spent a lot of, a lot of these letters that, that we find in the New Testament were written by Paul while he was in prison, while he was held captive somewhere. And yet in the midst of that personal persecution, in the middle of his own hardship, he writes to them. And more often than not, he speaks of the joy that they brought him. Paul loved to see the church grow and flourish. And he loved to see new believers become more like Jesus. It brought him such great joy. 1 Thessalonians 2, 18 to 20 says this, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? 
Indeed, you are our glory and joy. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 10, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in, in the presence of our God because of you? Our joy is connected to others. It's like there's a missing piece in our joy jigsaw. Many of you like jigsaws. Yeah, a few. You can imagine that you, your life is a jigsaw. Okay, can we picture it? He's all still with me. And it's like our, in the middle of this jigsaw that there's, there's some pieces missing. And those pieces are each other. Our joy is not fully full unless it's through each other. This is what we find time and time again. We watch each other grow in our faith and it brings us joy. We cheer each other on to become more like Jesus and it brings us joy. It is no coincidence to me that the times of joy that I experience is almost always with others. It's not much fun being joyful on your own, is it? It really isn't. You know, it's not much fun just sitting being, like I don't, actually I am really struggling to think of a time when I really experience joy on my own. Can anyone think of it? Maybe some real introverted people find a lot of joy on their own and that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's how you're wired. But for me, when I think of times of great joy, I, there's always other people in the picture. There's either been a time whenever we're just sitting around the table and we're laughing and laughing. There was one night um, a couple of terms back in our community group and we just laughed the whole night. Annette took off again. She remembers it. Were you there that night, Annette? We just laughed the whole night and it was the most holy thing. It was the most, and it was, as we shared stories and as we talked, we just laughed and we laughed and we laughed and then we realized we hadn't done any of the teaching. And we thought, well, we better pray because then it'll be official because we need to do something here that's, that, that feels official. But yet God's presence was all over it and there was such joy in laughing. When I think of other times where I've experienced deep joy, it has been when I've been worshiping with others and the presence of the Holy Spirit has been thick with joy. I remember <clears throat> the first couple of times that I would have been in worship and um, in, in different scenarios where the Holy Spirit's presence was really tangible. And as we worshiped together and as we experienced his presence, people would start to giggle and laugh. And I remember thinking, that is so rude. Like, what are they doing? They'll pull themselves together. Like, I mean, it's church. We're worshiping. We're doing all these things that are like serious. Like, what is happening? And yet... It should be the overflow of our heart. It should not surprise us for one moment that when people experience the presence of God, when his presence comes in the person of the Holy Spirit on their life, it should not surprise us one little bit if they start to giggle and laugh because it's his joy being poured out. It's his joy that is overflowing out of their hearts and their lives. So don't be nervous about that, okay? Don't be nervous. If people start giggling and laughing, don't think they're being rude. Well, they might be sharing stories or looking at stuff on their phones. If they're doing that, then that's being rude. But if it's in the presence of Jesus and part of worship and part of ministry time, embrace it. And you know what? It's okay if you start giggling along and you just think it's contagious. Because it is. It totally is contagious. Have you ever been around people when they start laughing and you just can't stop? And then it just, especially when you're not supposed to. Ever been in a situation where you're really not supposed to laugh? And then you just start and you cannot stop. But anyway, you have permission, full permission. 
that if, as you begin to experience the Holy Spirit, as you welcome more of him into your life, and as we together experience more of him together and see his, whole, his beautiful presence poured out in our lives, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised by joy. Do not be surprised by it. For too long in Reformed theology, I think we've let the pendulum swing too far into somber and seriousness. Yes, the gospel of Jesus is truth and his message of the kingdom is vitally important for all humanity. But in his presence, there is joy. Psalm 1611 says, we have, we make known to, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 21.6, surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. There is joy in his presence. There is peace in his presence and there is hope in his presence and there is love. But I really sense what the Holy Spirit would say to us this morning is, don't be disdainful of joy. Don't disdain his joy. Don't think that it's less than. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, we need it. We need it. We need it. We need it more than ever, I think, in our lives. We need his strength. We need his strength to live the life that he's calling us to live. We need his strength to speak truth to lies. We need his strength to bring hope to the hopeless. We need his strength to to fully embrace his kingdom and to reject all others. Leaning into joy this Christmas does not mean that we put on a fake smile and pretend that the pain and the hard stuff of our lives isn't there. That is not joy, that's just denial and putting on a mask. Leaning into joy this Christmas is acknowledging that joy may overtake us even in the middle of pain and suffering. It is realizing that joy is possible, even on our darkest days. Joy is possible. That there is an invitation for all of us from the Holy Spirit to drink from this deep well of joy, regardless of whatever else is going on in our lives. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Sometimes when our hearts are broken and we begin to feel any kind of happiness or joy, it can feel like a betrayal to the thing that has broken our hearts. Lean in to joy. Rejoice. Allow joy to flow into you and out of you. Don't just keep it for yourself. As the joy comes in, let it flow out. There is an invitation again this morning, this Christmas, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for joy to be our response. And for that joy to be the strength that propels us forward in our lives. That his presence moves us not just in here in our hearts, but that his presence would move us physically. That his presence would propel us into situations that we would normally not go near. That his presence, that his deep joy and his strength would propel us towards bringing solutions to things that we see around us that we feel are hopeless and without any hope and any solution that we would allow his joy and his presence to propel us to make the right decisions and to move forward in a life filled with his spirit. 
Psalm 45, 7 says this. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the joy, the oil of joy. Read that again. I feel this is a, this is a verse for us as a church this morning. Why don't you stand with me as I read it again? This is what I feel that the Lord would say to Vineyard Church family and all of us gathered here this morning. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This morning, what I want to do is I want to pray for us that we would be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and anointed with the oil of joy. And this morning, regardless of your circumstances, whatever you're facing, maybe, as I've talked about, this could be a hard time for you, it could be a difficult situation, it could be just that you're thinking, already thinking of the new year that's to come and you're filled with a bit of dread at it. If you need the Holy Spirit this morning and you long for anointing with the oil of joy, would you come forward and I'd love to pray for you. It's a brave step. But most days I make it super easy for you and I just ask you to raise your hand where you are and today I'm not going to do that. Come on ahead. Come right up around here and come forward. If you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life and you want to experience that deep joy that you can experience regardless of your circumstances and you just long for more of the Holy Spirit in your life, then come forward. We might need to move this front row of chairs. Do you want to start stacking them, Caleb? Stack. We'll make room. If you want to come forward and there's no space, we'll make room. We'll make room for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, more. Mm. I love your hunger. I love your thirst. He sees it. So Holy Spirit, come. Be poured out. Yeah. We don't need to hype you up. Just need to invite you. If you're part of the prayer team, why don't you come and start praying for these, these guys? You don't have to have a badge on today. Just come right on ahead. Begin to pray. If you are part of the team today, come up ahead. This is your, your key. Mm. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Sweet presence of Jesus in this place. 
we ask for your anointing of oil, of joy. Mm. A joy that does not deny circumstances, but rises above them. A joy that flows at a deeper level in our lives than the things on the surface. So we ask now for that joy to burst forth. Burst forth. Yeah. More, Lord. Mm. More, Lord. And just where you are, if you, if you haven't come forward, why don't you just put out your hands? This is not limited to the guys at the very front. If you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit this morning, if you see people, someone around you maybe that you feel that you want to pray for, just put your hand on them and pray for them. Yeah. More, Lord. Mm. your joy come, Lord. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Mm. This is the morning. For some of you, that's what the Lord would, have to, would say to you. This is the morning. The night is done. There's just the dawn. that might just look like this wee line of the dawn. Do you ever see the dawn rise? I rarely see the sun rise. But when you do, it just starts with a wee line. And the, the light starts to come. And this is what, for some of you this morning, you can just see the light starting. And the night has been long, and it's been hard, and it has felt endless and relentless. But today, this morning, he's saying, my light is dawning. It is a new day. The new day has come. Yeah. And there is joy in the morning. Jesus, thank you, God. You are so good.
going to finish off with this song if you're getting prayed for you just stay where you are and just just allow the Holy Spirit to keep ministering to you um, but then when we're finished this this is us we can, if you're part of the choir don't forget to meet me in the press did you feel the mountains tremble did you hear the oceans roar when the people rose to sing out, Jesus Christ, the tears of
join in one song All the streams flow as one river So wash away my broken hand And we can see that God Jesus. Tea and coffee, OFC sign-ups, choir, choir, choir. I am not going to sing in the square on my own next Sunday, okay? No, I'm not. Darwin says I am, okay? Thank you. Have a fabulous week. Is living with angels singing. Hosanna in excelsis. He's so here below below. Let's keep all bells be swung. And the yo 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 by priests and people singing. Hosanna in excelsis. Merrily and high, the curse of sin is broken. Ding dong, open up your eyes, the celebration starts in. Whoa, 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 whoa.